Just because a relationship is over doesn't mean you're over it. And just because the first season of Hung Up is over doesn't mean I'm over it. I worked with some beautifully vulnerable, heartbroken people this season, and I thought it would be powerful to sit down and share some of what I learned through this journey. Hopefully, it can provide some of you that might be going through your own heartbreak a little comfort and knowledge that there is light at the end of the tunnel. But... This will be a lot more fun with a friend. So I'm bringing in Headspace meditation teacher and certified breathwork practitioner, Dora Kamau, who wrote a course for Headspace called Healing from a Breakup or Heartbreak and can definitely shed some light on how to mindfully move on from an ex. Dora knows what's up. So let's break down this wild and crazy world of breakups and help some people in the process. All of those moments... Tried all of those tears that I cried. I won't hold on no more. I gotta let go and walk out that door. What's going on? My name is Sham Boudram. I'm a sex educator and a relationship expert from Headspace Studios and Frequency Machine. This is Hung Up. This is my time. Hi, Dora. What's up? Hey, Shan. How are you? I'm so, 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 so excited for this conversation. I know you being Canadian and just watching so many brilliant women from Canada come up and to follow their passion and lead with such grace. Let's not gloss over the fact that you are an incredible Canadian as well. And I am so grateful to connect with you and so grateful to be a part of an amazing league of women of color coming out of Canada, doing the damn thing. Amazing. So I'm curious because for a lot of people talking about breakups is like the scariest thing to do. So what sparked your interest in um, learning more about breakups and closure and relationships? For lack of better term, shit experiences and trying to make sense of those myself. I naturally was somebody who was very drawn to the human body growing up. Obviously, coming from a Caribbean household, also I went to a Catholic school, that natural interest wasn't encouraged. So I watched a lot of porn growing up. I watched a lot of fiction TV shows, try to inform myself because I didn't feel there was a safe space for me to ask questions without being judged for my curiosity. As I got older, that enthusiasm mixed in with misinformation led to a lot of really negative experiences. And when I turned 19 years old, I was at a clear fork in the road where I had to decide. Either my parents and the church were correct and that sex and love and relationships were complicated and messy and painful things, or these were beautiful things. And they were things that I could interact with in a healthy way to enrich my life, but I had really bad information. And so I just got a library card and I read every book possible about sex and relationships. And what I found is that there was such amazing information that unlocked so much truth. But I also acknowledged that they were written in really dry and boring ways. So I thought to myself, there needs to be somebody who bridges the gap, who takes this information but makes it accessible, makes it fun to engage with, and essentially utilizes what sex has and its benefit, which is it's interesting and it's it's universal and it should connect people. 
I saw that as my purpose when I was 19, but I still see that as my purpose. For me, breakups have been such a portal of transformation and change, but I really was only able to see them that way when I was able to be present and to reflect. And there's so much richness that can be found in endings, as much as there is beginnings. So I really, really am so grateful to explore this topic more and maybe just start this the conversation on why is there so much shame around endings, especially in breakups? I think that goes to the belief system that in order for love to be successful, it has to last. So we're all trying to attain that Disney happily ever after story. And if we don't, then we fall short of a dream come true. Think about every Disney movie, like they were like 16 years old and they figured that shit out. You know, imagine, right? Because, you know, many people are well into their 50s and their 60s and they're still struggling to come up with meaning for things. So there's a shame because it's, oh, it didn't last forever. I mean, it didn't work. And that examination is painful for a lot of people. And it's also does a great disservice. It ending can actually be to the point that you just made a beautiful part of the story rather than a negative part of the story. If you look at the worry as a part of the joy, because that's where expansion happens. That's where growth happens. That's where epiphanies happen. So letting go of the fantasy, that could be huge for many people in accepting losses, not as loses. Mm. Yes, preach. Yeah, throughout all the episodes and hung up, I just love how people are able to arrive to those understandings. I think you help people realize that even if you have invested that time, now you can use this energy and time and resources into something else that's much more life-giving and not so draining. Yeah, that is so true. It is about perspective. I mean, at the end of the day, there are definitely relationships that are slanted to drain. I refer to these as zombie relationships that basically just require your brain and they don't provide anything back in return. And those, of course, might be the exception where there probably isn't a ton of value you can drum up other than learning that I should never do that shit again. Yeah, I love that so much. There's so much beauty in the reflection. And something that I was noticing as I was listening to these episodes as well is the sense of like entitlement and possessiveness that we may carry in a relationship. And I was curious to get your perspective on why that arises in relationships and how that may skew the reality of what's actually going on in the relationship. I think with a lot of things with intimacy, there is a balance there because there is something quite beautiful about committing to someone when it's mutual and it's agreed upon. That devotion can be a positive thing. It becomes a negative thing where it becomes a manipulation tactic to tell people how they should behave or to shame them for not behaving the ways that we want. When it comes to love, it's like water. You can't grip it. You have to cup Mm. it. So you can still take ownership over the water and you can still collect a lot of it. And it's the water in your hands. But once you start to grip at it, you lose it. And then you might find yourself punching the water and trying to grasp at it to get these small drops and molecules without realizing that like it's not really yours to possess and to hold. Yeah, for sure. It's a de- delicate balance. Even when practicing meditation and mindfulness, there's the concept of non-striving. So when you observe thoughts and feelings that arise in your mind, you can also let those thoughts go instead of 
trying to punch them or chase after them or try to make sense of them, but just see them as like clouds passing in the sky one after another. So I think this also applies to relationships in how we can just purely just experience people instead of trying to push them into a box, but allow ourselves to be our own whole person and still be able to merge and have this like third entity almost of our relationship. That's like a co-creation of you and that person, if that makes sense. Yes. There's the relationship you have with yourself and there's who you are. There's the relationship your partner has with themselves. That's who they are. And then there's the dynamic that you guys create together. And if you can remain curious but informed about all three at one time, I think that's the basis for a healthy relationship. And in many cases, a healthy breakup. So Shan, I am very guilty of cutting off all family and friends when in relationship. I'm just going to put myself on blast. Interesting. (laughs) You know, I don't know what it is, but I just get tunnel vision. And I'm like, this is my person. This is it like I kind of just forget about the rest of my community and I'm curious how important is it to maintain friendships and community while in relationship? I think it can be extremely important although I empathize with you because it's difficult Uh, because when you get something new and exciting you want to do it all the time right but you should try to maintain a balance because It's also acknowledging, one, the reason why you and this person clicked is because of the fullness of who you are. And it's all your hobbies and your relationships that make you into the person that they fell in love with. And sometimes when we lose sight of that, we actually lose that initial connection and spark because we've become someone completely different. Yeah. It's also obviously helpful from a personal wellness standpoint, but in general, People in your life can see things from a bird's eye perspective in a way that you can't when you are so heavily emotionally involved in something. You don't want to cut off those perspectives because they can help to inform you to make the healthiest choice for yourself. I love that. Yeah. I I also think we kind of forget that relationships are a part of our well-being as well. We think of physical, mental, spiritual, emotional health, but we don't take into account our relationships and the social aspects of our well-being. So for me, this is what I'm taking in of like, yeah, this is all connected. It is all connected. I think that's the thing with intimacy. It's close personal connections and interactions whether that be with yourself, whether that be with your Uber driver, whether that be with your life partner. And the way that we interact with each of those things actually informs our relationships with all of those things. So if we stop looking at it so siloed off, like wellness is either nutrition or it's meditation, but instead the way that we love and the way that we have sex might actually inform the way that we nourish our bodies. Yeah. When we are taking notes, <laughs> writing these things down for later for introspection, I myself just got out of a five-year relationship, and you know, at the four years. <laughs> Thank you. I'm curious, you know, for people who have experienced maybe harmful and abusive relationships and don't have access to their partners to go backwards, where can people start? to find closure without having to contact an ex. I think in the way that we did in Hung Up, wherein you're still reaching out to external perspectives. So if you don't have access to your ex, then think about who else had connections to the relationship, who else had eyes on it that can show you things from a different perspective. We can look inside of ourselves and see things from our vantage. And there's a lot of help in that because knowing yourself takes work. 
but you still need, I think, the outside perspectives to give full context. And that was actually a really fascinating thing through Hung Up is that, of course, yes, we have the calls with the exes, but it was sometimes the calls with the family members where people asked the really simplified questions that they were so terrified to ask, and they found that the answer was nothing what they had imagined. So don't give yourself the benefit of you know it all or you know what people think or you know what they're going to say. Like, ask and put it out there on the table. A great example of a simple question when Clement asked Jose, like, why not me? Why did you mm. not choose me? And she hypothesized the answer to that in so many different ways, but it actually ended up being so healing and helpful for her just to hear it point blank answered from the other person's perspective. I think you can take that principle and apply it not just to romantic relationships, but all relationships that are impacted by our romances. Mm. Yeah. This brings me to Clemens' episode today. He had this philosophy that him as a man, he has to wait for the woman to make the next step. So they did suggest to Jose that we become exclusive. And he had this whole philosophy of like men in relationship should never ask for more from their partner and they should wait until their partner wants more. So this is how I slowly started to figure out that we were very different in the way that we thought about things. I was curious to know what your take is on philosophies or ideals or beliefs that people have in relationships about how they should show up. We should have a set of values or things that we know to be true to be successful for us, but then we also have to be flexible to the fact that we don't know the other person that we're interacting with. So mm. I... I can appreciate, like, you know, when people have those rules, like, I don't ever call first or I don't pay mm. on the first date. Like, are those helpful? Because those can be reflective of your values. And as we saw in Clement's episode, it is a yeah. fundamental truth to get to as fast as possible because that can inform you if there's a future or not. But on the flip side, I think we have to decide which value systems are helpful to guide us and which ones we should be led by. It's in the rigidity um, that I think that people get stuck and mm. create unnecessary conflict in their life. Yeah, it's almost like boundaries when people are slighted and then they make boundaries to like protect themselves or to make sure that they will never experience that thing again. I was also reflecting on my own self of what are the ph philosophies that I have that have been made purely out of fear. And yes, and I think that there's a difference too sometimes in doing things out of fear and then doing things out of self-knowledge. Yeah. And I just keep on coming back to this idea of like being able to rebuild ourselves after a breakup. So I'm curious for people that are listening and basically for me, like how do people regain trust um, entering into new relationships? I think it's through enhanced exploration. You know, fear is not always a negative thing. So a lack of trust might actually be helpful for some people, especially those who are too giving with trust. So that might yeah. be a lesson that you needed to learn. But there's obviously overcorrections that happen. I think the way that you avoid doing that is really getting to like the nitty gritty of what were the specific red flags that I missed? What were the specific breaches of trust that really harmed me? What were the ways I could have communicated differently to learn more about that person earlier? Because any fear is just kind of based on your brain wanting to protect itself from going through a similar trauma. 
But when we revisit those and we start to just get down to the nuances of it, you may never completely remove that fear, but at least now you can localize it to something specific. So it's not going to hurt you in areas where you actually could have had a healthy pathway for trust that you were unable to see because you were so blindsided by fear. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. So in Isabella's episode where I was literally falling off the edge of my seat hearing her (laughs) friends share about like being outside of this neighbor's house and like waiting for the boyfriend to come out. But something that I noticed, you know, she would go into the bathroom and she would be on her phone trying to keep tabs on her ex. Sometimes I don't think that Isabella is completely honest with us anymore about what's going on. Like there's been some nights where she's on her phone all night, like going into the bathroom, texting. We've called her out on it numerous times. She's like aware that this is an issue that she just consistently had on her phone going missing in the bathroom for like 15 minutes. I'm curious, what do you think is the healthiest way for people to engage in social media when it comes to a breakup? The healthiest way for people to engage when it comes to a breakup on social media is to disengage. Mm. It is to unfollow, which is one step. It is to block and it is to promise yourself not to view and furthermore, ask your friends to hold you accountable and not to give you updates or news about the person because social media is a highlight reel of the positive and you're already going to be prone because you're you know still spiraling from the loss of the person to want to reconnect. Yeah. And when you're only touch point with that person is seeing the best of them and the best moments of their life, well, that can cause a lot of confusion within yourself. It could also cause resentment for why they're moving on faster than you. Like, I just don't see a world where there's any positive outcome from that. Yeah, that's so important. This also makes me wonder, what about mutual friends that you've made while in that relationship? Yeah, I think that it becomes a cost-benefit analysis. What is the cost to keeping this friendship to my healing and to my self-betterment and my improvement and furthermore to my partners? And if it doesn't seem to really weigh out, then you're going to have to make that hard choice. And then if down the line we want to reintroduce each other to one another, let's see what happens there. But it's very difficult to do that while we're still engaged with the old and a part of the old is the old relationships and old ties. Yeah. So in Corinne's episode, I really loved how her mom was there and was able to share and be so vulnerable. So to look at her and what she's been through and to see her come out on top, it really is amazing to watch her now. She really is my inspiration. She really is. Thank you, Mom. I know for me, a lot of my healing work has been talking to my mom and reflecting with her of like, what are your take on relationships and how have you grown? And that allowed me to see parts of myself and my mom that were also showing up in my relationships. How relevant do you think child environments are um, in the relationships that we seek as adults? Childhood environments are extremely relevant in the relationships that we seek as adults. It's the environments that we're in that shape us and that show us what is and isn't good, what is or isn't normal. And the thing about the human brain that's very fascinating is that we're very drawn to the familiar. Your brain isn't designed to be happy. It's designed to be safe. And your brain associates safety with familiarity. 
even if, because at the end of the day, even if those have been unsafe environments, you've survived them and the devil you know is better than one that you don't. So your brain will still be drawn to toxic scenarios that are familiar because at least they know how to cope, manage, and survive. So it is so important to really assess what is familiar to us and then to examine if those are scenarios that we want to re-enter or scenarios that we're just conditioned to know how to be a part of. So I, I think Corinne's story was a really beautiful and perfect example of this because she saw herself playing out old patterns from the past because it was familiar. And people are having the question, like, why would you stay? It's because, well, she knows how to stay because that's the behavior that she was modeled. If anything, being in a dynamic where someone leaves and chooses themselves, that's something that's unfamiliar to her and foreign to her and has lots of question marks on the other side. And that's where fear can arise. Yeah. The topic of friends and family also brings me to Alana's episode where the episode opens with her being, you know, afraid of sharing with her family about wanting to get married. And I know for myself as well, there was that even as I try to get back into new relationships of managing the outside perceptions and judgments from my family and friends. So do you approach it in the same way that you shared about disengaging or how do you go about managing perceptions and judgments from outsiders. Yeah, I think either method can work. You can disengage to a space where you need to feel confident or you can engage with the people in your life who are not going anywhere in a very different way and reintroduce them to your new needs and your new thought processes and your new perspectives. Because if you've gotten to a place now where you're like, I don't look at breakups as a loss. I don't look at it as if it's a mistake. Instead, these were really important lessons that I learned. So I'm just in a process of figuring out me, figuring out what works best for me and navigating my way to this life. And you're somebody that I like to look to, but I also want to make sure that you're not looking at me through judgmental eyes. Mm, yeah. And last question that I have really, is there ever real closure after a breakup? Is there a point where we get to where we're like, ah, okay, I, I am healed from this thing or I'm done. I can finally move on. I think there's absolutely real closure, but I think closure is something that you define for yourself. Closure is not a set destination like Texas. Either you got to the border or you didn't. Instead, it's a place that you create in your mind where you feel at peace with what was and you feel confident in what is and you feel joyful and hopeful about what will be and that those things all inform each other. That's closure and that is definitely possible. Thank you so much. I am so grateful to be in conversation with you around Hung Up and to hear these stories and also hear the grace that can come from breakups and not see them painted in such a scary and treacherous thing that happens to us. But breakups can be a point of healing. Endings can be a point of healing. And there's a way that we can go about it where sometimes there is an opportunity for us to just come together and just to honor what has happened and moved on in a, in a skillful way. So thank you so much. Dora, thank you so much for engaging this conversation with me. I gained a lot of connection with you and with the work that you do, which is really helpful to me because I'm going to say something in full disclosure. I have been lusting after the world of meditation for a very long time. But through your vantage, I think I 
see a little small tunnel for me that I'm going to try to crawl through to gain more. I think it will have a positive ripple effect for me. This was <laughs> so fun for me. Uh, so thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. It was really beautiful, actually, like really, really beautiful. <laughs> Who knew there could be so much beauty in discussing breakups? But with endings comes epiphanies, which you've witnessed all this season of Hung Up. Now, I just want to thank every single one of our guests from this season for trusting me and the Hung Up team to help you post-breakup and for vulnerably sharing your amazing stories, which I know have moved so many listeners. So with that being said... If you are a listener who is hung up on an ex and you want to move through it and share your journey, we want to hear from you. Email us at hungup at frequencymachine.com. This is my time. Hung Up is a production of Headspace Studios and Frequency Machine. It is produced by Caroline Slaughter and Rachel Borders for Frequency Machine and Danny Carissimi for Headspace Studios. It's executive produced by Morgan Selzer, Sarah Cohen, and Baron Farmar for Headspace Studios, and Dominique Ferrari, Stacey Book, Avi Glajanski, and Sarah Heppela for Frequency Machine. It is hosted and produced by yours truly, Sham Boudram, audio engineering and technical magic from Jared Brady, editing, sound design, and post-production wizardry by the amazing Julian Kwasniewski and Bay Area Sound. Development at Headspace Studios was led by Leah Sutherland, And special thanks to Adam Krasner. See you next season.